Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and unfortunately, I do not have a guest host with me today, so you're just stuck with me, but we will make the most of it. Before we jump in, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible has over 180,000 different titles to choose from. If you prefer listening to books rather than reading them, this is the site for you. And if you're not sure, go ahead and give it a, a try. Uh, listeners of this podcast can get a free 30-day trial as well as an audiobook download of Audible signing up with the code www.audibletrial.com NGL. So most of you know that the Super Bowl was last weekend, and there's a lot of, of feedback, a lot of negative feedback on the Super Bowl saying that it was boring or lame or didn't really care to watch it. But I honestly liked it, and that's not just because the Patriots won and my psychology midterm is extra credit. I thought that it was a great display of the the root of the game. The things that you don't really think about or see uh, were, were shown uh, in full effect. Normally, it's an offensive game. We love to watch the the quarterbacks throw all over the place. We love to watch the running backs run down the field, break, break open for big plays, and, and score a lot of points. But that wasn't the case. You saw a mind of Bill Belichick who noticed the, the Rams' weaknesses and was able to exploit them all night. The punting as well was extraordinary. I don't know if you, you noticed, but there were 14 punts in the game, and a lot of them did have an effect on how the game was played. You saw a lot of punts inside the 20-yard line, and punting doesn't really get the hype that it should because you're really able to flip the field if you have a solid punter on your team. And we saw firsthand how effective it was to have a punter in this game. My biggest takeaway from this game was some good old-fashioned prop bet controversy. So if you remember last week's episode or haven't listened to it, you should pause this episode right now and go back and listen to last week's episode. Hayden and I discussed some of our favorite prop bets, and one of those was the length of the national anthem. So the line was set at a minute 50 seconds right up until the Super Bowl, and Gladys Knight sang through very beautifully. Uh, And when she got to the end, she said brave multiple times. The song ends after the final word which in this case, they assumed the final word to be brave. And she ended brave at 1 minute 49 and a half seconds, but went on to sing brave multiple times, which clearly sent her over the minute 50 mark. So a lot of people were confused, and there was a lot of people that felt they had lost out on money and were very frustrated at the uh, lack of payout due to this controversy, which always kind of adds a little spice. Another one of the big storylines from this week was the trade deadline. Now the trade deadline ended at noon today and there were it seemed more than the normal trades. Uh, this this deadline maybe not with marquee players but a lot of guys were moving around some even more than once. And I wanted to give you a rundown of three winners from the deadline, three losers from the deadline and three trades that I'm not sure about yet. So right off the bat one of the winners is the Raptors. The Raptors added Marcus Gasol for a couple of key role players, including a starting center, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, in, their, in their trade, and they got so much more back. They got veteran leadership. They got a guy who's been there before, who's done that before, uh, on a team that really has struggled with experience, with being able to get the job done. They've been manhandled by LeBron for however many years he was in the Eastern Conference, and now that he's gone, they've added a Finals MVP in Kawhi Leonard and a guy with years and years and years of experience in Marc Gasol. Another winner was the Bucks. The Bucks added a catch-and-shoot player from the Pelicans in Nikola Mirotic. You may not know 
who he is, but he's been having an underrated year this year and will certainly be an asset to a team whose primary scorer isn't really effective from range. So being able to draw the defense in as he's driving to the basket and kick out to shooters such as Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and now Nikola Mirotic will give them a certain edge in this year's playoffs. That's one of the biggest takeaways from this trade deadline is how much the Eastern Conference teams have improved and how how much of the gap has been closed between the Raptors, Bucks, Sixers, and Celtics. The biggest winner without a doubt of this trade deadline has to be the Los Angeles Clippers. Now at first I was hesitant because they gave away Tobias Harris who is arguably an all-star this year with the way he's played and and has played a vital role in their success this season. But they've brought back picks. They've gotten rid of guys that have struggled on their team, such as Avery Bradley. They've brought back strong role players. they brought back young guys. They were arguably one of the deeper teams in the league, which led to their success. But it seems as if they've gotten deeper and maybe even better. And they're not just set up for success right now, but they're set up for success in years to come, especially because they, they own the Heat 2021 first-round draft pick. And with the way that their franchise is looking, that could be a top five, top ten selection. Now let's move on to the three losers. My first loser of this trade deadline is the Grizzlies. Now, they have two icons in their organization named Mike Conley and Marc Gasol. They held on to Mike Conley, but they let go of Marc Gasol and really didn't seem to get that much of a return. When you trade a star like that, who people have grown attached to over the years since he's been in the organization, and you get such a little little return, it almost seems not even worth it to let him go because you'll just have angry fans and not really a lot of a building block to get to build from. And on top of that, they were the recipients of that struggling Clippers player, Avery Bradley, who's who used to be an above-average 3-and-D player but has regressed very fast over these past few years and gave up some solid role players to get him. I'm not really sure what the Grizzlies' plan was, whether they think they're close to contention and just needed a few more extra pieces or if they're this is their idea of tanking, but I wasn't really the biggest fan. The number one rule whenever you're tanking is picks, 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 picks. You never know what you're going to get in the draft, and that's why you take that risk. I was disappointed to see the lack of picks that they, they got from these trades with these players, and I'm not expecting much from the rest of this year, and hopefully they can pull it together and just finally begin to rebuild. The next loser at this trade deadline was the 76ers. Now, I know they've improved. They added James Ennis, a great wing player, and Tobias Harris, like I said, a fringe all-star, but they gave up so much, and I can't honestly say that Tobias Harris is going to stay. The 76ers had plans to re-sign Tobias Harris as well as keeping Joel Embiid Ben Simmons and JJ Redick and have that strong core that has been doing so well this year but Tobias Harris is going to get paid next year he can't be waiting around taking less money for the hope of winning a championship and if the Sixers don't win this year I don't see any reason why Tobias Harris would want to stay in a team for less than what he's worth which is the max because I guarantee you there's a lot of struggling franchises that will throw the max at him but the biggest loser or losers of this trade deadline are Wade Baldwin and Nick Stauskas. They began this year on the Portland Trailblazers, but after this trade deadline, they're the furthest thing from it. They were traded to Cleveland uh, at the beginning of the year, and around this deadline time, they were traded to the Houston Rockets. And you'd think that 
you know, they they went from Cleveland to the Rockets, a dead last team to, you know, top five team. That's got to be pretty exciting, right? Except for the Rockets weren't done yet. After they'd gotten him, they sent them away to the Pacers, where they're now going to be released. There's a lot of scrutiny in the league today about how these trades are handled. It's not fair to a player to say, hey, we've let you go midseason. So they're not only having to adjust to a new style of play with new teammates, but they're having to do it in a new city. Now, luckily, the way that it's built, it's not like baseball, where there is a stretch of time where the players have to wait before they are traded, so they can't just constantly be moving from team to team to team. Another one of the the losers that you could add into this is Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes made headlines not because he was traded, but when he was traded, midway through his game last night. So he was pulled out of the game, didn't know why, but the headline said that he had been traded to the Sacramento Kings and essentially a salary dump. Now before we I go and rip on Mavs ownership, there was a report out that said that he was made aware that he would be traded and was given the option to sit. LeBron James had strong words in an Instagram post for this, and I can't help but agree with him to an extent. He said that there's a double standard between when guys want to leave a team to get more money and when guys are traded. When guys are traded, it's just business. That's the way it goes. It's an entertainment business. You want to do what's best for the team and help make the most money. But yet, when players try to get that money they're scrutinized for whatever reason I don't know what that may be but the owners turn the fans against that player saying look at what he did isn't he selfish they'll go right around and trade a player who's been vital to the franchise and who the fans love but yet that's just business I'm not saying that they should do away with trades and that they should forget about dealing these players midway through the season because that's a part of the league trades are trades but I think we really should do work in eliminating that double standard, and allowing and understanding that this is just a business. At the end of the day, loyalty isn't what it used to be anymore. Guys don't stay on the same franchise. Guys like Dirk and Kobe and Tim Duncan, after Dirk goes, that's that's going to be it. There's not, there's not much about loyalty anymore. It's about doing what's best for you. And I think that both teams and players should be able to do that willingly, not just one side. And now let's move on to three trades that I'm not sure about yet. So the first trade is between the Wizards and the Bulls. The Bulls gave up Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis for Otto Porter Jr. After John Wall tore his Achilles, after slipping at home, which I'm not too sold on yet, the Wizards have officially gone into full rebuild mode. Now, it was probably obvious that they weren't going to trade Bradley Beal, their all-star, and probably the only shining point in their season. But with this move for Otto Porter... It raises questions and also maybe some answers. Jabari Parker signed to his hometown Chicago Bulls this past offseason and was excited to get to work with them. And there was a lot of hype surrounding them. They had a bunch of young guys, including Jabari Parker, who, though struggled with injuries, was a very touted and solid player. But as the season went on, his lack of defense showed, and he eventually made his way to the back of the bench and had not seen rotation minutes in quite a bit. Bobby Portis was a solid player who's had some troubles in the past but was playing a very successful bench role on a team with a lot of promise. Getting Otto Porter does cost a lot of money, but it makes sense. A lot of their young guys are still on rookie deal contracts, and this is an obvious upgrade over Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker. But I'm not ready to say that the Bulls won this trade yet. 
if Jabari Parker is able to return to form and show that dominance that he had when he first came into the league and Bobby Portis begins to develop and grow, the Wizards are suddenly light years ahead on their rebuild. I think this has potential to be a successful trade for both teams, but I can't honestly say that one team won or lost this trade yet. Another trade I'm not sure about yet is the Magic between the Magic and the 76ers. 76ers sent struggling former first-round pick Markel Fultz to the Magic for Jonathan Simmons and essentially two late first-round picks. Now, this is a low-risk, high-reward trade for the Magic, getting what was a very talented player but has turned into almost a shell of himself in recent years. The last trade between the Trailblazers and the Kings moves two young big men, Caleb Swanigan and Scala Bissier, and this trade will essentially turn out to be successful or not really talked about for, for years to come as Scala Bissier was heavily touted in high school but really didn't make a difference in college, and Caleb Swanigan was very effective in college, but neither have really seemed to make their mark on the NBA so here's hoping that they can develop and have successful NBA careers. Now I want to introduce a new segment on the podcast that I hope to keep up. So I've used the website onthisday.com to bring you This Week in Sports. So every week on the podcast, I'll take a look at events that have happened in history from this past week and kind of give you guys a little storyline behind something that maybe you haven't heard of before or maybe something that's really cool. So this week, I want to talk to you about Fred Newman. Fred Newman was a former Caltech basketball player who was probably average at best. He didn't play high school sports, but did decently well in almost every sport he tried at Caltech. His career shooting percentage from the free throw line, he said, ranged from about 66 to 75% in his career. Later in life, he actually was an assistant coach at Caltech and began to play in different rec leagues in, in California. And that's when he wondered to himself, I wonder if anyone's ever made 100 free throws in a row. He hadn't heard of it before, so he thought he'd give it a try. He challenged himself to shoot 200 free throws every Saturday night, and that's what he did for many months. And this turned into almost an addictive habit for him, and he challenged different players to free throw competitions, including Rick Barry. Now, Rick Barry is arguably one of the most accurate free throw shooters of all time in NBA history, but he had a kind of a weird a weird way of doing it. So all of his free throws he ever shot were underhanded, granny style. And so Fred Newman figured to, to be the best, you have to beat the best. But there was one catch. He wasn't going to be shooting his free throws normally. He'd be shooting his free throws blindfolded. And so on February 5, in 1978, he went toe-to-toe with Rick Barry, made 88 free throws in a row, and lost. Because it's Rick Barry. But he, he continued in his career, uh, free throw career, whatever you want to call it, uh, and, and broke numerous records, including the most made in a span of 24 hours with an astounding number of 20,371. The tips of his fingers cracked and started gushing blood, and he said occasionally he would have to wipe, out the, wipe down the basketball, but he'd still keep going. And that is This Week in Sports featuring the free throw legend Fred Newman. If you, if you like this this week in sports story, uh, be sure to let me know. I, I want to I create content that you guys enjoy and you like to listen to. So just let me know what you think. But speaking of surefire shots, I'll tell you one that's a go-to for me, Audible. Audible is a free 
audiobook site, and you have over 180,000 titles to choose from. You may be late in the game on your New Year's resolution. Uh, you may not like reading books because your mind gets distracted. But something tells me that if you're listening to this podcast, you enjoy listening to things. So why not give Audible a try? You can listen through your headphones. You can listen out loud while you're chilling with friends, want to learn a little bit. Listeners of this podcast get a free 30-day trial as well as a free audiobook download. Go to www.audibletrial.com NGL. You won't regret it. Now, a bit of breaking news, kind of breaking news. It won't be for you guys because this will be hours down the road. But I saw that while I was recording this podcast that the, the all-star fantasy draft had, had completed. So I just want to give you guys a breakdown of my thoughts into where it went wrong, what they could have done better, uh, and, and who, who my pick is to win. So I'll be posting uh, or I'll be reposting a picture of these starters and the reserve players on the Twitter so if you want to if you want to start a little discussion there, uh, feel free to do so. I'm also going to be adding different polls and different questions based off things we've talked about in the podcast today because I want to get your guys' feedback. I don't want you guys to just be listening to me uh, and feel like you know there's no way to respond. But I'll, I'll be putting up some questions from today's podcast, and I'd love to interact with you guys and and connect more that way. So right off the bat, the biggest thing that I think I picked up on and 98% of Twitter picked up on. It looks like it looks like LeBron is trying to form fit his team for next year. So five out of his first six picks are guys that have that either want out from their team or have an expiring contract at the end of this season. And there's no question that Le- LeBron is the ultimate playmaker on and off the court. Uh, I, I think he likes to form fit his his team to his desires, and this is kind of had some negative backlash, especially in, in recent weeks with the Anthony Davis trade or the proposed Anthony Davis trade that never went through. I really want to take a moment and give a, give, give a shout out to the Pelicans organization who may have finessed their way through this trade operation. So I don't know if you've heard, but there are rumors that the Pelicans never intended to deal Anthony Davis. They just took the offers that the Lakers were sending and spilled them to the media in order to mess up team chemistry. Now, I know this may seem a little bit petty, but if you're the Pelicans, what else are you going to do? Your star player is is getting lured to another team by another star player, and you just simply can't compete. But he's under contract, and you feel like you've been wronged uh, by that team and by that player, so you retaliate in the best way a small market team can uh, through slight sabotage or through the media, I guess. But I think this leaves the door open for anyone, pretty much, to trade for Anthony Davis. And I think that the Pelicans will be listening to almost any offer, especially come off season, when you know where the picks are going to end up and you know exactly what you'll be getting. But enough about Anthony Davis. I know he's all over uh, social media, and I don't want to fill up this podcast with all that same stuff. So Giannis seems to have taken a, a friendlier approach it seems, uh, drafting Chris Middleton with the first pick of the reserves, who's also his teammate on the Bucks. But looking at this right now, LeBron has a much better team. I mean, you look at the starting five, him, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, and James Harden. You've got a great amount of playmakers, a great amount of scorers. 
you, you take their five against Giannis's five, which is Giannis, Steph, and uh, Giannis, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, Paul George, and Kemba Walker, and it's already a blowout. But then you look, you look down the the, the list, and it, LeBron's team gets better and better. Uh, I I know it's going to be an entertaining All Star draft any or All Star game anyways, and this was a fun fun little twist that they had that they added to this year to make it more interesting and make people tune in. But yeah, LeBron James is probably going to win this All Star game. Also, in other exciting news, as we're closing out, we have stickers for the podcast now. So if you are interested in purchasing a sticker, only $2, very high quality, you can DM me on Twitter, at PodcastNGL, or Instagram, at NGL Podcast. just flipped, same thing, um, and place your order today. We've got a limited number, limited number of custom stickers, really great. So I think that's just about going to do it for us. Uh, be sure to tune into the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can listen on Spotify. Also, don't forget to check out your Audible free trial, www.audible.com/ngl. Thanks for listening, guys.